The first reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We're going to uh, read, pray, or shout Psalm 100 together, uh, so could you please stand up for this? And together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for reading that to us. Um, let's pray with, uh, well, maybe you've got sight of the psalm on the service sheet or in a Bible. Let's pray with God's word open before us. And Lord, I want to echo that uh, prayer that Jesus instructed us to pray, that the laborers would be sent out into the harvest field with your world needing to hear your praise. We pray that as we turn to this psalm tonight, um, that might in some measure be answered, that you'd open our lips to declare your praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're at a disadvantage because, um, as easily happens, the, uh, the, the title was left off Psalm 100. If you have a Bible in a book form, you'll see a little superscription above the word of verse, words of verse, verse 1, which I think is important and gives us a helpful steer for what God intends to achieve through this much-loved Bible song, Psalm 100, or the Jubilati, as those of us brought up on the prayer book call it. Here is the ancient title, which um, many believe is, is to be taken, it's certainly old, it may even be right to take it uh, as Scripture itself. Here's the ancient title, A Psalm. For giving grateful praise. And I want to highlight that little combination there. Grateful praise. You might be saying, well, grateful praise is two ways of saying the same thing. Why are you making such a fuss about that? It's a bit like saying freezing ice or wet water. But it really isn't. Grateful is the heart attitude which feels gratitude for all the blessings we have. Gratitude on the inside, if you like. Praise is how we express externally 
audibly, publicly, what we're thinking and feeling. So we don't just feel thankful to God. We say thank you to God. We tell him we're grateful. We praise him. We give voice to what we're thinking. And the psalm bears that out. I want to summarize what we're going to see here as thinking with thanking. So not thinking grateful thoughts, but then never bursting out into joyful praise. Not that. And not red-hot worship, but with no corresponding convictions on the inside. No. Thinking with thanking, or put it the other way if you want, thanking with thinking. Now, two people, as I've been chewing over this psalm this week, two people, it seems to me, that I've read up on have understood it really well. One of them is this guy, who would be known to many people here, called John Piper from Minneapolis. They launched a big building project in his church there, where he was pastor for 33 years or something extraordinary. They launched this big building project to replace their ancient, ancient in America means 139 years old, ancient building with a new auditorium. And they had the strap line for the whole project, education for exaltation. Education for exaltation, which meant, if it needs to be interpreted, teaching, which would lead to adoration. Education for exaltation. Not education, school education, but Bible learning. Teaching, which would lead to adoration and praise. Thinking with thanking. And this very psalm, Psalm 100, was a key text for them. The other figure I wanted to mention was from Cambridge. He's a former principal of Ridley Hall Theological College. He was a guy called Hanley Mool, and he had a watchword for his students that went like this. There should be no untheological devotion, which I suppose would mean, for example, lots of singing but no real substance to it. No untheological devotion, and there should be no undevotional theology which you could caricature as intellect without adoration. So thinking biblical thoughts about God, feeling biblical emotions for God, those two belonging together, or thinking together with thanking, thanking with thinking. And the whole psalm bears that out in its structure. There are four stanzas or verses in the psalm, um, and annoyingly, they don't correspond to the verses on the page of uh, the text of Scripture here. Those are, those are later editions. But the four stanzas, as they go through, if you were to look at it, and we'll, we'll hopefully work it out as we go through it, go thank, think, thank, think. It's deliberate. It's the way it's been penned. Um, Verses 1 and 2 are the first stanza, and they are thanking verses, if you can uh, narrow them down to that sort of heading of mine. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. So the whole world is called to shout, to serve, to sing. And that I'm calling a thanking stanza. Then you get a thinking stanza. 
Verse 3, that's a thinking verse. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So if I ask, what are we supposed to know? Um, It's all listed there, isn't it? That the Lord is God. In other words, that Israel's covenant rescuer, Yahweh, the God of the burning bush, who revealed his name as the Lord, capital letters in our Bible, that God is the one and only God. Israel's God is the God of the whole earth, and there is no other God. He is absolute over every other force in the universe. So we're supposed to know that he's God. We're supposed to know that he made us and that he owns us, um, that we depend on him for existence and then from birth onwards for everything else, which is not supposed to worry us, but actually to lift our worries because he cares for us and we belong to him. And this side of the cross, we, of course, can be even more assured of it because we have a shepherd in Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us only to take it up again So we are absolutely safe in his hands. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, Jesus says. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. So that is what we're invited to know in verse 3. But don't miss the point that it is a call to knowledge. Know that the Lord is God. Derek Kidner wisely says that to know is to have firm ground underfoot, which is the prerequisite of praise. And strikingly here, it's a command. Know this. Fill your mind with this. That the Lord is God, and that he made us, and that he owns us, and that he guides us. Now, Let's feel the force of it. If you're finding it hard to praise God joyfully, this is where the problem most likely is, that you're missing out on this kind of knowledge. Or you've let it atrophy in your system and not get used, like muscles waste away. Again, if we're finding it hard to call others to worship God, Say we don't find it easy to say, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Or if our sharing of the joy of our relationship with God to the ends of the earth has run dry in some way. If our commitment to help our mission partners, getting people overseas to shout for joy, is gone. Is this where the problem lies? I've been excited over the song. We've had three of our overseas mission partners visit Pat Bamber, Dave and Ruth Lowry, and before them, a little further back, Ben and Jenny came. It's so exciting to have them in church with us. And if it doesn't set your pulse racing that, the outflow to others across the world, Psalm 100 raises the question, maybe it's because the inflow of God's truth into your life has run dry. Conversely, If we are taking it in deeply that he is our God, that he made us, that he loves us, how could we not share that? Why wouldn't we tell others with excitement and help others who are doing so? Thanking comes from thinking. They rightly belong together. 
verse 3, you see, isn't dry doctrine. It is what fuels the praise of verses 1 and 2. Come before him with singing? No. Worship the Lord with gladness? No. Shout joyfully? No. They belong together. In other words, if you're going to shout joyfully, know something to base it on. Thinking together with thanking. And you get the same pattern in the second half of the psalm in stanzas three and four. Let me read them again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I'm going to flip the order this time and look at the thinking bit in verse 5 first. Here's the indispensable thinking. Three things to ponder. The Lord is good, his love endures, and he's faithful down the generations. Which, of course, is great to put alongside the earlier reasons to praise him that we had in verse 3, is it? Their stress was on the authority of God. The Lord alone is God over the whole world. He's our maker, our shepherd. He owns us. But what faithful, loving an authority he is. He's absolutely committed in covenant love to his people. So I like the way those two come together in the psalm. Josh in the prayers mentioned... um, Susu and uh, the fact that she's over in the States at the moment after a a tragic road accident that killed a pastor and his daughter on Monday. And she was at the funeral uh, speaking about the daughter, particularly yesterday, who was her goddaughter. Uh, The most helpful thing in the last few days in that situation uh, for us has, has been not to let the voice of praise fall silent. Um, just because things are are so awful, that could easily have happened. But we've been trying to encourage each other to keep the thinking on track. And Susan and I have been determined to to lift our eyes to the one who is bigger than the battles. And in that way, to keep praising and rejoicing through the grief. Especially, I'd suggest it's helpful if there are aspects of spiritual battle about the situation or the situation you might be facing. We praise the God who is greater than the enemy. Um, In the Old Testament, they send the singers out at the front of the army. And I want to say thank you from Susu, having spoken to her earlier, to those who've been setting themselves to praise the God who rules in that situation. She had a, a brilliant idea how... While she was attending the funeral in Nashville, I and our girls could mark the occasion at home in an age-appropriate way for such a a grim funeral in some ways. And her suggestion was to praise God by watching a Chris Tomlin song on YouTube. The song is one that we sing here in church called Forever. Um, And I've written down, quote it now, which is high risk because... It means I've got to remember the song. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, he is with us, and so on. But the word that comes again and again in the psalm is forever. And that's been a a help to us in our home in the song because our God is a forever God and his love is a forever love, which is the idea of verse 5, isn't it? 
So that's the thinking, and therefore the thanking in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And that thanking arises from the thinking. The clue is there in the first word of verse 5. For the Lord is good, and so on. I think the new ingredient in the thanking bit there is the physical activity which is mentioned. Enter his gates. Come physically. I kicked myself. I confessed to the staff team when we were going over the surfaces and reviewing that I'd missed the opportunity when we were looking at Psalm 95, the Venite, to comment on the same idea there. Repeatedly in that psalm, Um, The song is about gathering people together. Come, let us sing together, which is such a a timely word and encouragement from the Bible for us at the moment. Um, As soon as we are able to, fully, to gather to praise God corporately. Zoom has been good for us and will still be good for us, I guess, for some time if we can't meet physically. But the ideal, surely, is for us to come to be physically together in the same place. See, it'd be very misplaced if people concluded that because Zoom had been a blessing during lockdown, we might as well just flip a coin. It doesn't matter whether I attend in person or at home in a sofa on my own. And it seems to me the Bible pushes us gently and says, well, it does matter. We say... What's the difference? I'll be with you in spirit. But the Bible says, present your bodies. What we all do with our physical bodies matters, even if it's a living sacrifice and tough for us to do it. That, says Romans 12, is our acceptable worship. Remember the ruling in the law, which told the Israelites only to build one temple and only to build it in the place God told them, And then to converge there, much more of an upheaval for them in that day to do so. Admittedly, it was for the three main festivals each year. But that's what's anticipated in this psalm. Entering in to the temple courts with other people. So for us, gathering with other Christians ought to be a priority. Flying in formation, rather than flying solo to heaven. Christopher, are you looking for something? I have not seen it, and we, we are... Don't worry, don't worry. I'm, I'm, stay or go as, as you choose. But I, I, if, they're, if they're not seen, we will hopefully find them, but... Okay, okay. Okay, so not not flying solo to heaven, but flying in formation together, making that journey. I'm not saying that health considerations are unimportant. Don't hear me wrongly. Of course they're important. But I'm grateful for people that have encouraged me to keep saying that we've got to take the implications of gathering or not for our spiritual health seriously as well. And that's got to be a vital part of our health, even if it isn't flagged up 
for us by any COVID apps. I got to draw to a close. I, I felt it was funny as I looked over the service and the way we'd planned it. Funny to reach nearly the end of the service and be focusing on a psalm that tells us to enter his courts with praise. So this is a psalm which talks about what God's people were supposed to do as they went into the temple courts, on the way into the temple, not on the way out. And it's lovely, isn't it? Thanksgiving is, if you like, the password to open the doors. I borrowed that phrase from Nicky Gumbel. You don't come in unless you praise God first. That's how you get in. Without thanksgiving and praise, you don't even begin. Give thanks or do not pass go. And anyway, I thought it was funny slightly. Here we are, just about to sing a closing hymn and go through the exit door. Except, I hope we aren't exiting our service to end our worship of God. There isn't, you see, a direct equivalent between what the Old Testament people did in the temple and what we do when we gather in church. Temple services don't equal precisely our church services today. So I think it was often misunderstood when people sang Psalm 100, as I did, that the church building was a holy building like the temple. No, it's not quite the same equivalent. Is it? God's invitation to enter is even better for us than the psalmists could have imagined. For them, entering the temple was wonderful, but they still had a bit of a sense that they were left outside, didn't they? Remember there was that huge, thick curtain separating off the Holy of Holies from everyone? Only one person, once a year, could go into that place that symbolized the immediate presence of God, the high priest, until Jesus dies for our sins on the cross. Then that temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. God did it. As if to say the way back to God was open all the time and for everyone, everywhere. So God is a God who loves us. Say, enter in. Enter not just the courts of a temple, but into a personal relationship directly with God. And people easily misunderstood the idea of entering God's house in another way as well, thinking, well, I go to church to worship God, which is true, of course, but not the whole truth. I don't go to church to worship God and stop worshiping God when I leave. There was a service once in a church where there was often quite an extended time for singing in this particular church, lots of praise songs and hymns, lots of choruses, one after another, with multiple repeats. And one Sunday service in the summer, it was pretty hot, and the sermon had been longer than usual. And then after what looked like a final prayer, just when the end was in sight, the service leader announced, we're now going to have a longer, extended time of worship. Everyone looked shocked at this point. And then he finished the sentence. When you leave the building. Because that's right. Yes, I know we do worship God together in church. But the praise and thanksgiving doesn't end when we say goodbye to each other. The longest worship session of the week begins at that point, or it will do, if we can just keep the thinking and the thanking 
together. Let's pray. We pray you would set our hearts on fire by the truths that we so regularly uh, declare to each other or reread in the Bible, bring them freshly home to us, open our hearts to them, and as we've already prayed, Father, open our lips in praise to you. We want to rejoice that you are the only true God and that we can count ourselves as those who know you because you've had mercy on us. We thank you for opening our eyes to that truth. We thank you for every sense in our lives that you have a hand on us. You've made us and you've kept us. You've walked us through the difficulties of the last year or even the last week, and you've not let us down. Indeed, you cannot let us down because you're a God of love. We thank you that you are true to yourself in loving us and not stopping loving us. And we rejoice to know you. We long that others would know you as well. We pray you'd help us to shout it out to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.